It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. For the final time as members of the West Coast Conference, the BYU men's basketball program gets ready to host Gonzaga at the Marriott Center. A sold-out crowd, what are the chances BYU can spring an upset? And we're also getting to your questions on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show and being a part of it. We'll get to your questions here in just a little bit, but a quick reminder that we are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto is your team every day, and as such, we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Once again, my name is Jake. I work for the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City as the executive producer of DJ and PK, and I moonlight here as your host talking all things BYU every single day on this podcast. All right, BYU men's basketball typically don't kick off the show with basketball, but when you have the number eight ranked team coming to the Marriott Center tonight, I figured, you know what, we'll make the exception on today's show, and that is the Gonzaga Bulldogs. For the final time, as members of the West Coast Conference, the BYU men's basketball program will welcome the Zags or the Bulldogs to the Marriott Center. It has been sold out since early this week. They're actually not allowing students to camp out. Uh, I believe actually as of 6 a.m., uh, Thursday morning, uh, students start lining up, but they're not allowed to camp out on the Marriott uh, Center, I, I guess, property uh, to get ready for this one. I th- actually think that's a bad idea, but I don't know necessarily what the reasoning was behind that. But regardless, should be an absolute packed house, a madhouse, should be just absolutely insanely loud inside the Marriott Center tonight. I am very much looking forward to being in an attendance and covering it for the KSL Sports Zone and also this podcast. We'll have a recap for you guys uh, late Thursday night going into Friday morning for you. But looking forward to this game because, like I mentioned, this is the final time that BYU and Gonzaga will meet up as members of the West Coast Conference. There has been interest on both sides of this expressed in extending the series, making it a home-and-home series going on into when BYU joins the Big 12 Conference, and I, for one, applaud that. I think it would be an absolutely phenomenal thing for Mark Pope and his staff to pursue. I know that Mark Few, uh, the head coach for Gonzaga, has expressed that. Drew Timmy, the star player for the Zags, said uh, late last week after Gonzaga's uh, latest game that he looks forward to playing in this game. It's a really fun rivalry. He says that there's fewer cuss words being hurled at him. He's, he was gay. Actually, gave big props to the Rock, the BYU student section. So, really much, uh, really much, very much looking forward to this matchup between the Bulldogs and the Cougars. It will be on ESPN. So, a great showdown on tap. I'm expecting uh, for this game. The biggest thing about this, though, is BYU and uh, Gregor Bell pointed this out that every season that Mark Pope has been BYU's head coach so far, they have had a win over a ranked opponent. Well, the only ranked opponent remaining on BYU schedule is the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And if you expect me to say that BYU can go up to Gonzaga, that would be, it's going to be the, what is it? I'm looking at this. It'd be on February 11th. They will host BYU up there in Spokane for the final matchup as members of the West Coast Conference. For, to expect BYU to go up to Gonzaga and win that game, I think is a far cry. The more likely one, if BYU is going to pull one off, is this game. Now, I'm not saying it's it's a crazy opportunity. It's a big opportunity. I'm just saying it, I think the 
true opportunity if BYU wants to get yet another ranked win to continue that streak under Mark Pope of having at least one ranked opponent they have beaten every season. It's going to come in tonight's game. The only way to do that, though, is you have to slow down Drew Timmy. He is averaging 21.8 points per game along with 7.9 rebounds and 3.5 assists. This is a guy who is an absolute machine at the college level. Does he necessarily have a future as a a big-time star in the NBA? Probably not because he is one of the old school guys. If this was 20 years ago, Drew Timmy's probably a first-round draft pick. In this day and age of college basketball, just not his forte because he doesn't shoot the threes, averaging just 14.3% on his three-point attempts on limited attempts at that but he's averaging 61.5% on his field goal percentage. This is a guy who's going to make life miserable for BYU on the interior. Fuseni Traore and Atiki Ali Atiki are going to have to avoid foul trouble in this game, and getting a guy like Drew Timmy into foul trouble would go a huge way, uh, a long way, I guess I should say, to getting BYU a victory in this matchup. The thing about this is, though, that they also have other weapons. We all know that Gonzaga is absolutely loaded to the hilt, typically with talent. This year, maybe a little less than they typically do, but Drew Lian Strother is considered to be a guy who's got a uh, future in the NBA as well. He is their second leading scorer with 13.9 points. He's actually second on the team in rebounds with 7.3 rebounds per game. And then Rasir Bolton was the hero that brought them back single-handedly almost to beat USF when they were on the ropes out there in San Francisco. He is the only other uh, starter for Gonzaga that averages in the double digits, uh, averaging 11.3 points per game. Anton Watson is averaging 9.5 just outside double-digit territory. So uh, this is a team, speaking of Gonzaga, that maybe is not necessarily uh, the Chet Holmgren uh, team that had the presumptive uh, top overall pick. Obviously, Holmgren was a lottery pick is what it ended up. Didn't end up being the first overall pick. So this Gonzaga team may not be loaded to the hilt, as maybe as I mentioned earlier, with true NBA star talent on it, but they are plenty good enough to come in and beat the breaks off of BYU. That's the biggest thing for the Cougars in this game, is they're going to have to have one of their nights where they actually shoot the ball well from three. They're going to have to even this game by being able to hit the three at a high clip. Do I expect that to come to fruition? I sincerely hope it does because if BYU can do that, it gives them a a puncher's chance of winning this game. There are a lot of other things that go into this. Obviously, you have to win the rebounding battle. You have to limit your turnovers. If BYU has their typical uh, 15 to 21 turnovers, somewhere in that range, they're going to lose this game. They'll probably lose it handily. If they can keep their turnovers to single digits or maybe 10 or 11 type turnovers where they cut their usual number in half, it'll give themselves another opportunity. They've been a very good rebounding team this year. Speaking of BYU, getting themselves extra positions on the offensive glass. That's going to be imperative for BYU to have a chance to get spring this upset, but there is a lot going against the Cougars in this game because Gonzaga pretty battle tested this year. They're 14 and three. Have more losses on their record than they typically have, but it's because they scheduled up this season. They did lose a game at Texas. They also lost to number 24 Purdue and a loss to sixth ranked Baylor uh, on their schedule. So all of their losses, their three losses, are all ranked losses. This is a Gonzaga team that is trending towards being a two, maybe a one seed if everything shakes out the way it should be. But if you want to become one of those true uh, teams that can have an, uh, an outside shot of making a run at the NCAA tournament, well, the time to start that would be tonight if you're BYU by upsetting Gonzaga. So 
I'd like to say that BYU has a chance in this one, but I just look at what Gonzaga brings and just the history of BYU and Gonzaga playing. Uh, It's not out of the realm because BYU has had their moments where they have been actually a very formidable foe for the Gonzaga Bulldogs, but it just feels like tonight, just the shaky nature of how BYU's been playing. Yes, they went to uh, San Diego and absolutely blew the doors off a very bad uh, Toreros team, but they struggled against LMU, who was a mid-tier WCC team in that loss last Thursday doesn't give me a lot of confidence for BYU going into this one. I'd love nothing wrong, nothing more than to eat some crow on tomorrow's podcast and admit, hey, I was wrong and BYU struck this victory. Uh, I Not struck this victory, but earned this victory over the Zags. We'll look forward to it. Uh, hopefully a, a bunch of you watching and or listening to this podcast will be headed out to the game. Looking forward to it. I will be there in attendance as well, as I mentioned, and looking forward to seeing how the Cougars uh, do against the vaunted uh, Gonzaga Bulldogs. All right, coming up here in just a minute. Let's talk about your guys' questions on today's show. Uh, obviously, it's a mailbag Thursday edition of the show. A number of BYU football questions submitted as you would typically expect with the offseason ongoing. We'll get to all of those here in just a moment. First, you need to get a word in on our friends over at Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat in the new year but don't want all the fat and calories that come with your typical ones? Then you got to try a Built Bar, my friends. We all just got through the holidays and I know that my goal as well as yours probably is to eat a little healthier and that's where Built Bar wants to come and help you guys. With built healthy is actually tasty seriously the most delicious thing you'd ever had i think they are the best tasting protein bars i have ever had bar none pardon the pun but regardless give them a shot they've got incredibly delicious flavors like churro peanut butter brownie coconut almond and on down the list you can find i think three or four flavors that i think would fit your flavor profile all you got to do is go to built.com but also right now If you want to wait on your order and have it shipped to you, you can go to your local Sam's Club or Smith's right now and pick up your Built Bars there. Yes, they have them in stores now. Storefronts have Built Bars. So stop in right now to your local Sam's Club, pick up up a uh, a 13-bar box from Sam's Club or a 4-bar box from Smith's. They're both incredible options that get you their Built Bars right now. No having to wait for shipping, no having to pay for shipping, all that stuff. But if you want to go online to learn more about that, go to Built.com once again. While you're there, if you do want to place that order online, you can still save 15% online by using the promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. But more importantly, you want to satisfy that sweet tooth and don't want to uh, eat that typical candy bar, get to your local Smith's or Sam's Club today and get enjoying it with Built Bar. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for checking out Locked On Cougars right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to encourage you guys to make sure you check out our brand new podcast here on the Locked On College channel that is Locked On College Basketball. It's got everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players alike. Get the inside scoop on all things college hoops. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, first question up uh, comes from our good friend, uh, excuse me, I apologize, uh, Greg Romano. 
at 201 TDS. And he asked this, Jake, USC receiver Gary Bryant Jr. has entered the transfer portal. Jake Retzlaff was Bryant's high school quarterback. Is that connection strong enough to entice Bryant to become a Cougar? Now, that's the interesting thing about this. And also, Joel McIntyre added this response saying, Slovis was his college QB for a hot minute, and he was recruited by BYU at a high school. It says, two more good reasons. Now, I don't uh, know about BYU's interest in Gary Bryant other than I would assume that they have interest in him. The question will be, does Gary Bryant see himself fitting in at BYU? I know that they're going to be a Power 5 program, but is he looking for, I guess, a... I don't know, a higher tier type program, if that makes sense. That's no denigration to BYU. Let me, very, let me be very frank about that. It's just that Gary Bryant has been playing at USC. Is he looking to play the likes of an Oregon, an Alabama, that that type of a program, that that level of a program? If it is, it's probably uh, near to nil, uh, like 0% chance of BYU landing Gary Bryant. But hey, you make a phone call, you ask him, uh, gauge his interest, said, hey, we're BYU, we're going to be a Power 5 program, we for you to be part of the Big 12 here. Uh, the one thing about Gary Bryant, I, I feel like, is there's a lot of hype for a guy who has not had a ton of production during his time at USC. I'm not saying that he couldn't break out at a different program, especially one like BYU, but uh, I just uh, I haven't heard much about it, but I, I, th- th- that doesn't mean it couldn't happen. Let's be let's be clear about that. Next question up, Nick Lee at Nick Lee51, our good friend over there, uh, does Locked on Seahawks. Nick, you and I are enemies this week. I'm wearing my San Francisco 49ers hat just for you, Nick. I says, I'm of the opinion that one of the first things BYU needs to do when that P5 money starts flowing in is either build a new stadium or completely gut and renovate Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Put stadium seating everywhere. Cup holders, the works. It's past due. Your thoughts. Now, Nick, uh, I think you already know my thoughts. I think that BYU absolutely needs to upgrade their facilities. And Lavelle Edwards Stadium, yes, you'd probably have to downgrade the number of actual butts and seats if you were to put stadium seating in the entirety of Lavelle Edwards Stadium because the benches allow you to pack more people than a seat back would but hey I'm all about renovating and making uh, LES look as good as possible I've got this uh, I don't know how to say this I, I don't know anything that this is a legitimate possibility but I have a suspicion that that land over there the Provo High School campus uh, BYU bought it a number of years back so long as that continues to kind of sit there and is like temporary housing right now it's housing the Harris Fine Arts uh, community as they rebuild the HFAC on BYU campus, so long as that property just kind of sits there and languishes, and if BYU ultimately decides they need to rebuild a stadium or build a new football stadium, well, the future LES, the future Lavelle Edwards Stadium very much could be ending up on that property. I'm not saying that it's going to happen. It's just my sneaking suspicion that it's out there. There were reports out there that BYU did propose that back in 2016 to the Big 12 as part of their pitch to join the conference, that they would consider building a new stadium on that land if need be, but I don't have that verified in any way, shape, or form, but I am of the opinion that, yes, you do need to upgrade the facilities and making it a better fan experience with cup holders, as you mentioned, maybe uh, tearing out some of the benches, putting in seat backs, that type of stuff. That absolutely should be part of the future plans here, Nick. All right, next one up. YouTube uh, Blue at SC Price UTP says, Jake, with school back in session, how long of a window into the term can a transfer portal uh, player join? Seems like the clock is ticking down or maybe expiring. Well, that's a great question because 
because it's actually next week. I believe it's next Monday, if I'm not mistaken. It might be Tuesday that the portal closes. That's when uh, all players that are going to transfer have to have entered their name or at least requested to enter their name in, into the NCAA transfer portal. Does that mean they have to have announced where they're going to be joining uh, or signing? No, they don't. They actually can remain in the portal as long as they want, but there is a limit as to when you can go into the portal. The next time the portal will open up is in late March after spring ball ends for most programs across the country. That'll actually just be a two-week window. There's about two weeks where where it will open up once again, and then it'll be closed until the end of the season after the conference championship season once again. It's two windows a year. The first one, it's open right now, and it lasts for one more week, and obviously uh, we're coming up against it. BYU, anybody else that wants to enroll at BYU for mid-year, I think has to have been enrolled by the end of this week. So uh, I think BYU may be coming up on the end of actually getting people enrolled in terms of mid-year transfers, but uh, wouldn't rule it out maybe a one or two more names. The one that obviously we're all tracking and I'm still expecting at some point to be a BYU Cougar is Eddie Heckard. Uh, the FCS All-American, the three-time All-Big Sky cornerback from uh, Weber State. It seemed like it's just a no-brainer for him to join BYU, but he may ultimately be also waiting until he gets his NFL draft evaluation and waiting until that deadline, which is, I believe, January 16th. Don't quote me on that, but that date, to enter the NFL draft as an early entrant, that's coming up as well. So Eddie Heckard obviously trying to weigh that as well, but he's probably the only name that I would be tracking right now in terms of mid-year enrollees the rest of this week. All right, on to our next question. Uh, BYU 4 Trey at Playoff Bogey says, BYU's made some strides in the transfer portal recently, but even with the guys they've gotten, it feels like BYU still has some ground to make up. How much better does BYU need to get on defense via transfers to be competitive in the Big 12? Now, that's a fantastic question, BYU uh, for Trey. I think the ultimate thing for BYU on defense is to find out what exactly you need in the J-Hill defense. That's where spring ball is going to be very important for BYU. They're going to install this defense, give these guys a run in it, and see where they're deficient in it. And that's when they will probably look at the transfer portal once again if they need to find guys. Obviously, an upgrade in talent is absolutely needed. They did that along the defensive line already, adding Jackson Cravens at defensive tackle. I think he's a starter the second he arrives at BYU. I think he's actually already enrolled. So spring ball... He's probably out there with the ones running along the defensive line. And Isaiah Bagna, he is a fantastic pass rusher who automatically, I think, would get playing time if not a starting role for BYU's D-line. So those two are already in there. I think that BYU can continue to mine the transfer portal for talent, but they obviously have to make sure that the the pieces fit. Scholarships are available, making sure you're not overloading one position with transfers, that type of stuff. You have to weigh all of that. But I do think they still need to upgrade the talent. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But that may be something that they look at more uh, throughout the spring saying, okay, we're deficient in this area. What can we look at in terms of the transfer portal there? If there are guys out there who are no-brainer talents that are interested in BYU, you absolutely pursue them right now. But I think at this point, uh, just with the transfer portal coming to a close, or it's the window closing, and also school already having started for BYU and for a number of programs around the country, I think at this point you're probably going to be content to sit through spring ball, see where things stand, and then when that transfer portal window opens up again, see what other guys hop in there. I would expect BYU probably has some names leave the program after spring as well in their own right. It's just kind of the future of what, not the future, it's the present and future of college football. And I think that's probably something that you're going to have to track. Uh, I think that's absolutely something BYU needs to do, look at upgrading their talent. And I 
I, I would imagine they'll continue to do so. All right, uh, one more question here before we uh, move on to some other things real quick. Nick Chadwick, one of our longtime friends, always asking great questions. Uh, Nick says this, three questions in one here for you. What recruiter transfer portal target do you want most that BYU is pursuing? Well, I can answer that one first. Eddie Heckard. I, I think he's a no-brainer. I just talked about from BYU 4 Trey's uh, question. He seems like a, a day one starter for BYU at cornerback, especially with uh, guys like Gabe Judy Lally exiting the program. He also lost D'Angelo Mandel and Caleb Hayes. Heckard just screams day one starter. So he's the guy I want to see. Who are the analysts for this upcoming year is the next question from Nick Chadwick. Now, we probably won't know that until spring ball really gets going because guys are still getting situated. But I understand that guys like Jay, uh, not Jay, um, uh, who was I thinking of? Uh, Jan Jorgensen. That started with a J. Jan Jorgensen should be back along the defensive line. I think a guy like uh, Fowler, uh, Gavin Fowler, should be back working with special teams. A lot of the analysts that did not get jobs jumping from BYU to Northern Colorado with Ed Lamb, I think a number of them are going to return to BYU. It's a good situation to be in. Kalani Satake is a great boss. So I don't think you'll see a ton of turnover outside of the fact that they have to replace some of those guys because they got full-time gigs at uh, Northern Colorado with Ed Lamb. And the final question from Nick. Do you expect more additions to the recruiting staff? And if so, who do you think could help? That's a great question, Nick, and I'm going to have to ponder that one a little more deeply because I do think BYU needs to add more in terms of their recruiting staff. The student assistants are great. Guys that are working on the back end 20 hours a week, uh, getting experience, that's fantastic. But you need full-time staffers to help with recruiting, help these assistant coaches who are already overloaded with all their other responsibilities. You need to have people that can hop on Twitter and just love up these guys on social media. Send them letters. Let them know that, hey, we are interested in you. Just the, the there are recruiting staffs out there. Ohio State, I think it's like 30 people deep. BYU's operating still with probably four or five guys. So, and that, by the way, that four or five guys is an upgrade from what BYU had just a year ago. So, continue to expand it, but I don't necessarily expect them to be all of a sudden, we're going to go on a hiring spree, we're hiring like 30 people right away. I don't expect that, but they can continue to add folks. I'll have to think about some names. It's an interesting question. I hadn't really considered that, Nick, but we'll have to uh, look into that a little bit more. All right, we'll answer some more of your questions as well as taking a look back at BYU and TCU in 2011. We're continuing on with our look back at BYU's 155 games as an independent uh, football uh, member or their, uh, during their independent era as a member of the football uh, uh, fraternity? I don't know. FBS ranks regardless. We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. First, need to get a word in on our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online, of course, has been with us for many, many years, my friends, and they are your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. If you want the latest lines on college hoops, for example, the BYU Gonzaga game, get to Bet Online right now. They'd have that for you guys. Get the latest odds, as I mentioned, and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to basketball, both college hoop and the NBA. Baseball's not too far off. Whatever it is, tiddlywinks, cricket, I don't know what you're interested in. They've got it all at Bet Online. If you love sports podcasts, you can find even find those at Bet Online as well. They are the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting information. So start now. Go to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more now. That's Bet Online where the game starts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero turn mowers, and utility vehicles including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. 
Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Absolutely love being with you guys every single day, and thank you for making us a part of it. All right, uh, final stanza of today's show. Let's get to a few more of these questions that came in. Uh, next one up is Josh Glenn at the underscore Josh Glenn says, Okay, Jake, how are you feeling on the over, overall physicality of the team? I, man, that's a great question, Josh. I actually think BYU should be okay in the physicality department, but I withhold my answer, I guess, officially until I have a chance to hear more and see more from spring ball. Now, will I see all of spring ball? No, I will not. Kalani Sitake usually gives us a 20-minute window once a week, it feels like, maybe twice a week at the very most during spring ball, and I'll try and get a feel for that. Obviously, I have conversations with some of our sources who are practice insiders who are out there every single day uh, giving me the scoop on what's going on. We'll have more of an idea at that point, but I think the way BYU's gone about recruiting guys, guys like Keaton Slovis, Aiden Robbins, they seem like guys who are kind of nose to the grindstone types who are really to just get down and dirty and just and do the work. That's There's something to be said for that. The, the physicality is absolutely something BYU needs to work on, especially along this offensive line. I think some of them, uh, to, not to uh, come off as rude, but I think they got a little too uh, complacent. And that's the, I'm, not, I'm not even speaking out of both sides of my mouth. It's exactly what uh, uh, Clark Barrington was alluding to when he joined us uh, talking about his transfer to Baylor. He says, I felt like I got a little complacent in my role. And I think there were a number of guys along that offensive front who did that. The defense, honestly, I think the defense as a whole got complacent because they had little to no accountability, it felt like. They could have an awful performance like they did against Arkansas, and seemingly nobody had their jobs on the line. So... I think that the physicality under Jay Hill's tutelage, obviously on defense and obviously just trying to get better on offense, I'm expecting it to have an uptick, but I'll have a better idea once we go through spring ball. Next one, John Solomon at John Solomon 13 says, Jake, I love the podcast and listen every day up here in Seattle. Well, thank you for tuning in, John. Says, my question is this, with the players leaving the O-line and for the draft and now a new coaching staff, do you think the defense may actually outperform the offense next year? Also, when do we get the Big 12 schedule? He has the face uh, palm emoji <laughs> at the end of that one. Now, uh, John, first things first. It's hard to say that the defense is going to outperform this offense just because of the, the continuity that's on that offense, even with some of the losses to the draft, as you mentioned. I still think that Aaron Roderick uh, having his offense installed will give uh, BYU's offense a leg up on this defense. Could the defense come along maybe midseason and outperform the offense? That's uh, very much a possibility, but I would still put heavy odds on the offense being the more dominant side of the football for BYU in 2023. But uh, the other thing about this is I'm expecting an uptick and a better performance from BYU's defense across the board, and that's only get, only going to get better with more time under Jay Hill's tutelage. That, that's the one thing I will give you. Now, the other thing, when will we get the schedule? Well, the rumor is February 1st. Uh, the ACC actually announced that they're going to release their schedule, I believe it was January 29th. So that's the start of the week uh, leading up to National Signing Day. National Signing Day is February 1. If that is going to be that, the Big 12 is shooting themselves in the foot by making that announcement the same day that BYU and other programs are announcing their recruiting classes, I am of the opinion that you hold off for maybe a week or two after that. There's a little bit of a lull there between signing day and also spring ball starting. Drop it then. Mid-February is the spot I would drop it, but uh, the rumors out there is it's coming February 1. We'll see. I've been uh, fooled before on that, believing that it was going to happen, and it did not happen, so don't quote me on that. (laughs) 
you will, but it's okay. All right, next one. Lala Moimoy uh, says, my question is, our recruiting classes have been averaging about anywhere from the 50s to the 70s annually. What is the sweet spot moving forward in the Big 12, and what range do we need to be in yearly to be competitive? Now, that is a fantastic question. Right now, BYU is, uh, I think, 63 was the last time I saw the recruiting rankings from 24-7 Sports, and they're, they're the recruiting service that I prefer. You can have your pick whatever one you want. Rivals on 3 ESPN. 24-7 sports is kind of where I have uh, placed most of my stock in that. Now, the, the question is, where do they need to be? I think BYU needs to be recruiting in the top 40s. If they are in that 30 to 40 range annually, because I think getting into the top 30, top 25 just is a bit too much for BYU, and even maybe uh, breaking the top 40 might be too much for BYU. But if they can get into the top 40, I think BYU absolutely is going to be pretty competitive in the Big 12. Does that mean that they will be winning a Big 12 title with the 35th rated recruiting class? No guarantees on that, but I think that they need to get to that level to be competitive, and that's obviously going to take some work because, like uh, Lala Moimoy says, they have been in the 50s to the 70s. 50s has actually been the high end for BYU throughout most of their run here as a as an FBS member. It's been the 60s and 70s typically, so to jump up into the 40 range, it's going to take work, but now that BYU is part of the Power 5, that should give them extra opportunities to hopefully uh, get some more guys that may be a little more interested just due to the fact that BYU has that P5 label next to their name. All right, uh, final question before we talk about BYU and TCU here in just a moment uh, comes from Jordan Kennard. It uh, says, what other position do you think BYU is looking at in the transfer portals? And that's a great question, Jordan. Uh, I think the offensive line something they're still t- continuing to evaluate. I think D-line might be something they look at back into the defense. Cornerback safety is absolutely something they're examining. And maybe a wide receiver. Those are probably the ones I would examine. It says, and then also, do you know what specific NFL teams are interested in Jaron Hall and Puka Nakua? I do not. But your other question says, do you also have an idea of what round they will both go in along with other Cougars going to the NFL? Now, what I have heard is I think there are three for sure draft picks for BYU this year coming out. Those are Blake Freeland, Jaron Hall, and Puka Nakua. Now, could they flop in their pre-draft testing and find themselves falling out of the draft? That absolutely could be the thing. But those are the three that I've heard the most from a number of different people that say that those guys are locks to be drafted. Blake Freeland is going to be the highest drafted guy. I think second or third round is where he ends up. Now, with regards to Jaron Hall and Puka Nakua, what I've been told is, is they are a day three prospect. Now, day three sounds bad, but that is as high as the fourth round. Let's be very clear about this. The first round happens on Thursday night. The second and third rounds come on Friday, and then the fourth through seventh rounds, as well as the undrafted free agent frenzy that happens after the draft, all comes on Saturday. I've been told that Jaron and Puka are day three guys, but that does not mean that they're going to be a seventh round draft pick. They could be as high as a fourth round draft pick, uh, I would venture a guess that Jaron's probably a fourth or fifth round guy, and Puka I probably sitting around that same range, probably fourth, fifth, sixth round, depending on how he tests. I think the biggest thing for Puka. His ball skills are elite. His ability to play uh, uh, in terms of high-pointing the ball, vertical play up in the air, is fantastic. His 40 time, very, very critical. He's been so smooth for so long, but what's the actual number in terms of his 40 time? That'll be very critical for a guy like uh, Puka to go out there and show. Could another guy sneak into the draft? Potentially. If a guy like Harris Lachance, he's playing in the Hula Bowl uh, this weekend. That actually takes place, I think, on Sunday. Maybe actually on Monday. uh, Coming up in just a few days. If he has a great showing, there's no reason to think that Harris just with his overall size, uh, could find himself at the tail end of the draft. His age is working against him, speaking of Harris. He's 25 years old. He's a return missionary, all that stuff going against him. But 
that's just kind of the 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 greatness and the the ba- how am I say this the glory and the ignominy of the NFL draft cycle. You just have to you have to strike it right, and hopefully those guys get an opportunity and make the most of those opportunities moving forward. All right, uh, we are going to wrap up today's show with a look back at BYU and TCU. Now, this was a game uh, BYU was six and two going into this one. We talked yesterday about BYU's first ever FCS uh, matchup as a member of the independent ranks in college football. Well, they made the trip to Arlington. Texas to AT&T Stadium, the place that BYU had upset uh, uh, the U- University of Oklahoma in 2008. This was just three years later. BYU taking on TCU, making the short trip over from Fort Worth in this game. And BYU I was carrying a lot of momentum going into this game, but TCU had something special for him in this one. Casey pa- Pask. Pascal, I think it was how you Paha. I remember how you pronounce his last name. You remember him had the the big sleeve on his arm with tattoos. Was absolutely masterful uh, as a quarterback for TCU, but did not have his finest game as a as a horned frog in this one. He actually only completed thirteen of twenty three passes for one hundred and forty seven yards, but did have two touchdowns against zero interceptions. Uh, TCU also struggled rushing the football. Thirty nine carries for one hundred and thirty six yards. You're thinking, okay, how in the world did BYU lose this game? Well, turnovers. That's what happens. Riley Nelson came into this game, 15 of 29 is what he finished with, 215 yards, one touchdown, but two critical interceptions in this game. Uh, It was one of those things you you look at and say, oh man, what could have been in this matchup? Because TCU ultimately won this game 38 to 28 was the final. Many of you will recall that. Uh, It was a back and forth affair. Uh, TCU led uh, 28 to 10. At the end of the first half, BYU tried to rally in the second half, but it just wasn't meant to be for the Cougars as they fell to 6-3 and three on the season. But the biggest thing uh, from a game like this is it, it, it was one of those games you're like, what could have been for BYU? Had they been able to grind out this victory, maybe had a better start uh, f- uh, in this game, and it was the fourth straight uh, victory for TCU over BYU, dating back to them both being members of the Mountain West Conference. So it was just one of those things. Uh, punts now, oh, I also forgot about this. The special teams issues. Uh, I think there were three of them. Uh, if, yeah, three of them. I'm, I'm reading this right now. Three mishaps on punt snaps. Uh, absolutely critical for BYU. They had, uh, 21 of those points that TCU scored came off those punts. I probably should have led with that. I completely spaced that in my notes. I actually had a little bullet point here. Special teams. Well, I glossed over it. But yeah, when you score 21 points off of what you can point to directly were three different uh, mishaps on punt snaps. Well, it's going to be tough uh, for you to win any football game, and that's what, exactly what TCU did. And they, they took advantage of the opportunity and got BYU 38-28. to So a tough loss for BYU, but they were 6-3. and They'd already reached bowl eligibility. But I think this game, uh, speaking of the TCU game, just with the issues that they faced in this one, uh, BYU, I think, it lit a fire under them to get uh, the season going once again. Now, the remainder of the schedule... Very, very light. We're going to talk about the likes of Idaho, New Mexico State, and Hawaii here as we continue on with this look back at BYU's 2011 season and as part of this look back at all 155 games of BYU's independent era. But uh, it's crazy to think about that BYU outgained uh, uh, TCU in yardage, a lot of different metrics in this game. But as it usually happens, whichever team wins the turnover battle or uh, the – coaches will tell you there's five to six plays in every football game that typically turn the game on its head. A lot of times they're turnovers. A lot of times they're, they're the fourth downs, like it's stuff, stuff like that. Critical plays in critical moments of games turn games on their head. Well, those mishaps on special teams for BYU, two interceptions from Riley Nelson absolutely hampered BYU's ability and ultimately came up short in a 38-28 to 28 loss at uh, Jerry's World down there at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. But 
the one positive that did come out of this game. Some of you have probably seen it on social media. I am very fond of using it myself. There is a famous gif out there of Riley Nelson reaching up and high-fiving a referee. You know what game that came from? This game. Yes, it did. Uh, 2011, Riley Nelson high-fived that referee. I am still stunned that he did not uh, get penalized because that just was like one of those things that you don't do that to referees because typically they, they take exception to that. But regardless, that is, I guess, one of the positives that come out of a loss for BYU football in that loss to TCU was that famous gif, that famous moment. It's all over the internet. You can find it. Just Google Riley Nelson high-five a referee and it'll it'll pop up. The gif and or the video of it on YouTube, it's out there. It's really simple to find, but that was the one uh, kind of key thing that came out of this that was kind of the funny thing. All right, uh, real quick also, uh, teams in action tonight. Women's basketball, they are in L.A. to take on Loyola Marymount tonight. That's 8 o'clock Mountain Time on the WCC Network. The men's and women's track and field programs are hosting the BYU Indoor Invitational Round 2 happening uh, today, tomorrow, and Saturday if you want to get out to the Smith Fieldhouse and take part in that. And that, that's the other teams in action tonight. So basketball and track and field along with men's basketball in action if you want to support the Cougars, but I'm expecting most of you, like myself, to be out there uh, watching BYU and Gonzaga square off at the Marriott Center. That's going to do it. Uh, that'll wrap up today's show. A huge thank you once again for you guys' support, as always, of the podcast. Uh, by the way, I promised you guys an update on our listens and downloads from last year, our views. Uh, we crossed the 1 million threshold, so thank you. 1 million times last year was this podcast downloaded and or viewed on YouTube. You guys are phenomenal. I cannot thank you enough for your support of the podcast, as always. Alright, we are way over time but thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day now go make your second listen our friends over at the locked on big 12 podcast get caught up on everything going on in the big 12 conference with josh neighbors get that free and available wherever you get your podcast also check it out on youtube if you haven't been watching us on youtube as well until tomorrow uh best of luck to the byu men's basketball program tonight we'll be recapping that on tomorrow's show right here on locked on cougars see ya hey prime members You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.